Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome former two-time national champion, Dean the Hammer Brokehammer. Welcome to State Street, ladies and gentlemen. It has been, what a day. It's only Monday in this week, but what a day it has been. So thank you for joining us. Um, this is Nick Kleitch, the co-host, uh, the voice, and with me as always are my good buds, Jeremy Machino and Cole Szynski. Uh Gentlemen, how are we? You know, um, we had a really good interview. Um, Nick brought on his really good buddy, Dean. And you know, Dean has been one of our faithful listeners for, for quite about quite a while now. And, you know, it was great just having him on and, and hearing what he's taken away from us and how he actually inspired us, you know, to read the, the book Extreme Ownership. And, you know, I thought it was awesome to get him on. And I mean, I had a great time. I, I think you guys did as well. Well, you know, it's tough for me because it's not all about us, right? It's not all about us. And yeah, like he's been a great supporter. Cool. We have a lot of really, really great supporters. What's cool about Dean though, is like his attitude towards life. I, I, I will say he has like one of the coolest attitudes towards life. He, he's, he's a part of a culture and like, I mean, wrestling, which if you're, if you're living in Iowa and you're listening to this, you know, like how big of a deal wrestling is, uh, in the state of Iowa or kind of in the Midwest, I would say, but like, and it's a cult following, right? And so he was, he had massive success there. And obviously I'm going to let Nick do, do most of his intro, but he had massive success and hearing his mindset. And then now kind of hearing how he's carried that over into just his personal life and, and how a book that we've read and he's read has kind of influenced him to take on ownership and, and take on a leadership role uh, is inspiring. It's truly an, an, an inspiring story. Yeah, it was amazing to have the whole thing come full circle. And so Dean has been a really good friend of mine throughout high school, um, kind of parted ways in college, uh, hung out here and there, but then also been reconnecting and uh, love the fact that he's in and involved with some of the personal development messages that we have put out uh, to our listeners. And to have a guy inspire us to have a mini series, but then also be a guest to come on for that mini series was a first. And it, it was a big honor for me just because I, was able to follow through with my word and, and him also to us. And uh, really cool moment uh, just for this podcast for me personally. But uh, Dean has these kind of mini nuggets, uh, not something like this huge, like articulate artsy guy, even though he does some art in his profession, uh, but just throws out these tiny nuggets of, of all these cool things that he's done. And I think endurance and just mental toughness is what really sums him up. Uh, and, and we're going to get into that in this conversation. But uh, real quick for all of our residents on State Street uh, get prepared because here we go. Dino, what's going on, brother? Oh, not a whole lot. Just another day. How about you? I'm just living the dream, man. Welcome to State Street. Uh, Was it a good day for you today on Monday? Hey, man, it's it's a Monday. We got through, powered through, on to the next. Hell yeah, man. Well, we're excited to have you on here. Um, what I'm going to go ahead and do first before I give the lineup and some of the other information is have these guys uh, introduce themselves into individually, um, starting with Jeremy. Go ahead. Yeah, Dean, it's good to have you on. From uh, from what I've heard from Nick and and talking to you previous was that you're a very well-accomplished uh, well accomplished man in the wrestling world. And 
I believe you're the one who kind of inspired us to uh, to read Extreme Ownership, if I am not mistaken. So I think it's going to be a, a very good podcast. Now that we actually have an, uh, a guest that wants to talk about like the same content we've read, we've never had that before. So I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, dude, I'm super excited. Uh, Nick told me about your guys' podcast. Uh, started listening to it, and like it, it was fun to listen to. And I thought this would be a good book for you guys to read because I had a lot of fun reading it, and it seemed to be kind of in line with what you guys do. Absolutely, Dean. I so I have a question for you just right off the bat. Is it true that you have listened to every State Street episode to date? I'm ninety percent of them. I'm 90% wow. of them I've listened to. Let's go. So debatably, now obviously we have a lot of people that support us and we're very, very thankful for that. But just right off the bat, debatably, we have one of our, our top supporters, one of our number one fans. Uh, not to say anyone else that, that has done the same or you know supports us in other ways is not is not up the list. But we certainly appreciate that. And so um, first off, thank you for that because that's huge and that's, that's really awesome that, that you're, you're that committed to us. Hey man, I I pretty much I, I kind of call myself a state street state street resident. That's what I call myself. Hey, oh, that's what's up, baby. That's great. Hey, that's live too. Dean didn't just he didn't have that written down before when he said he was gonna say that. That's uh that's awesome. Oh no, man, it's uh it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a good episode. Um, just a preface to our listeners prior to getting into this, we're gonna have a unique conversation with Dean. Dean's someone that's been in and around a very winning culture, has done a lot of winning, and I think he's very humble for some of the accomplishments that uh, that he has had and possessed. Uh, and then also get into the attributes and characteristics of like what makes a winning team. How does it feel like to be on a winning team? Why is it so important to be on a winning team and experiencing some of these things? So I'm going to dissect that as Dean just shares some of his uh, his story here. But um, we're going to start off with just a little bit of an intro. So obviously, me and Dean went to high school. We know each other. A lot of folks in our circle will be very familiar with who Dean is. Dean, go ahead and just share your a little bit of your story and what you're doing now just for Jeremy and Cole's uh, folks that do listen in on State Street. Yeah, so... Uh... I'm originally from Manchester, uh, grew up on a farm. Uh, my brothers, just uh, they, they wrestled, and so did I. Uh, they had pretty successful careers as wrestlers. Uh, Carl had probably more successful. Uh, he won state, and then he went to Upper Iowa. With, uh, he coaches up there now. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun watching him uh, give back to the program after he did so well, and it was great to watch him wrestle. It's almost as if it was in your blood, Dean. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of funny. My dad actually played basketball, and so we kind of just we couldn't really dribble the ball, us uh, four boys, and so <laughs> we took up wrestling instead. Yeah, you figured that might be a, a different route. I did not know that. That's so weird that that your dad, I figured your dad was a wrestler through and through, but uh, no, that's great. So, um, And then what are you doing for work right now? Share that as well. Uh, right now, I work uh, down in Des Moines. I do decorative concrete patios uh, for IAD Concrete. Okay. And so just for the listener snake, that uh, said snake there, sake, what is that? What is decorative concrete? Just so they have a little bit of context. So decorative concrete, uh, you have your regular concrete, just what comes in a truck, but we also deal with uh, stamp concrete. It's uh, where you put lay down your regular concrete, basically how you normally do it, and then we put a texture on there. 
we usually have like literal stamps. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but it's literally something you put on top of the concrete and stamp it in, kind of tap it in and you make an imprint. Okay. So it's almost like you're designing the actual concrete. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. We're not, we don't just do uh, smooth finishes. We have some texture to there. We have a couple different ones that we use. We also do color concrete. So like uh, we do all kinds of color. El Paso and all like we do all kinds. Do, do it all. Okay. And you're yep. not you're not unfamiliar with concrete work either. I mean, growing up on a farm, I'm sure you had your plethora of events that you did pour concrete and whatnot too. Oh yeah. No, uh, my dad was a concrete pump driver uh, or a belt driver. So he would also he would do a uh, wall pour on friday night and then come watch us play football and then saturday morning we would get up and go strip the wall for the next day so for all those guys that got to play football imagine that waking up after your game on friday night and dad says hey i don't care what your excuse is you're stripping a wall off the cement right now hey man that's toughness points right there that's what i'd say absolutely well i think that carried over to a lot of your sporting career too because we always gave you a hard time but uh, you were always the first one to to wake up, whether we were having a couple of drinks on a Friday night or not. You were always up at, at just a ridiculous time and seeing maybe 5 a.m. or 6. And we're like, where's Dean at? And they're like, oh, he's already probably putting in two hours of work. Yeah, man, that was something that was definitely forced upon me. It's just like, hey, if you're going to go uh, run with the wolves at night, you got to better wake up with the chickens in the morning or something along that line. <laughs> Yeah, how's that for a saying, State Street Gang, right there? That's what's up. <laughs> Put it so, on a shirt. Well, yeah, and I'm sure, absolutely. and I'm sure, I'm sure by drinks, Nick, of course, means like sodas after a high school football game. Uh, maybe a seltzer water here and there, a Canada Dry, maybe just a, a nice crisp, cold glass of water. Uh, and yeah, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna pound those after a football game, you know when you know the body's gonna be sore the next morning, and uh, it, it, it definitely, it, it says a lot about your character and about your toughness gene that, uh, you were able to get up after doing those wild, wild things, uh, to, you know, strip, strip a little concrete. Yeah, it was, it was definitely quite an experience, but Hey, those were some of the funnest times I've had. So that's great, man. That's great. All right. So we're going to get into, we're going to get right into it. So we graduated together. We played football together and we hung out enough i would say that we were good friends um but there's one thing that we didn't do together and that was wrestling and so there was a lot of guys uh either in our grade or grade above or grade below where wrestling is a a huge culture at our high school and there was a lot of really 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 good wrestlers that have come through in, in many years and you're you can speak on that i'm sure much more than i can but um one of the things that stood out to me is you guys were such a collective group of guys. You could never separate you guys. You always had that wrestling bond. So just talk about how it, how, how do you become a teammate? Like, how do you get to know somebody, you know, at the level that you guys did for wrestling? Well, um, I'll kind of go back a little bit how you're talking about West Delaware in general. Like West Delaware has always been really good at wrestling. I mean, when my brothers are going through, like, West Delaware has just been constantly, in my opinion, been up up there. I mean, they've always been competing. Um, but when you come to wrestling, um, it's just wrestling culture. I mean, I, I've just seen it at all kinds of other schools. Like, when you're a wrestler, there's just something about being together. And, like, it's, it's definitely a family atmosphere. I know a lot of sports or whatever 
preach it and it's probably true but i've never seen it quite as true as when it comes to wrestling wrestling is just you suffer you drain your body as far as you can go a lot of wrestlers when you're cutting weight and then you're there at the end when you accomplish something great too and it's just you out there i mean that's the huge thing with wrestling is it's like it's you and no one else but when you come off the mat you, you want to celebrate with people and that's who you're around yeah, it's a unique sport in that way where you're a team and you practice as a team and, and yet there are some scoring as a team as well, but ultimately it's an individual sport and everyone has to take care of their job and their duty um, and and be able to come together and it's cool. And I do think you're right, Dean, and you said it very well that in football, it's, it's a team sport, but you're not necessarily going to war. I mean, you are in some capacity, but wrestling is like, that's the, the most elite level, right? That is literally every day going at each other you know, as, as much as possible. And so you were not necessarily surrounded by very average wrestlers as well either. So who are some of the guys in your group that you went to quote unquote war with every day? So first of all, Adam Reth, uh, I was, um, so me and him actually fought, fought for a spot my sophomore year. Uh, and then junior year, well, he won it, Mar- he won it against me sophomore year. He went to state. He ended up placing fourth at state. Uh, but junior, senior year, he was a uh, 220, 195 pounder, and I was heavyweight. I just found out heavyweight was a good spot for me, and where he was, it was a good spot for him. But yeah, me and him banged it out every day at practice, and that made me better, made him better, and it was just a challenge. The other guy was uh, Jason Goble. We, when we go three man groups, or when me and Reth were beat up each other too much, like we kind of rotated on Jason. But uh, other than that, you also had TJ we throw in there once in a while uh, outside that group because uh, it takes more than just one little group, what we had going on there. You still had Zach Les, Zach Moeller, Patrick Woods, and Unsapi was in there fighting with us. I mean, it's not just – that was a group of guys, uh, those four, were who I kind of wrestled a lot more. But – and it took the whole group and the whole room to combine and move forward to accomplish what we accomplished. So, Dean, what's the feeling then when you know you have to compete with one of your friends for a spot? I mean, is there animosity? Is there kind of a mutual understanding between you two? Is it kind of like you, you're not texting each other through wrestling season? I mean, what's what was that like for you? Because I know for every for everybody who competes in sports, we've all competed against our friends, and it's different for everybody. But But what was it like for you specifically? I mean, for me specifically, I tried not taking things personal, and I tried not being personal with it. Um, but obviously, like, I mean, it's personal. Um, my, our sophomore year, at the beginning of the year, me and Jason also wrestled each other. Uh, we were trying to wrestle off for spots. And so I had that with Jason and Rath. I mean, it is what it is. Um, like I said, I tried not taking anything personally, and I tried not being personal about it. It's it's business out there, kind of is how I take it. So then, when you say you don't, you try not to take it personal. Are there always going to be those guys that you know kind of take it a little more personal than than others, or is it kind of like that mindset when you go in as a team? It's uh, you know, it's it's not one or it's all for one instead of one for all. Um, I think a lot of times it's definitely. A lot of people do a good job of it's uh, all for one for all, or I forget which way it goes. All but for one. People usually do a pretty good, yeah. All right. It, people usually do a pretty good job in not taking it personal, and they they're upset in the moment, 
but eventually they move on and it's something a good wrestler will understand. It's like, it's not personal. I mean, you lost and there's nothing out there that like you were in control of that match and you have, you have to take, well, do you have to take ownership of what happened out there? hundred percent, man. So before we get into some of the principles that I wanted to, to tear out of, of you guys competing in the high school level, um, when you were younger, and you saw the the level of standard that was set from some of the guys before you. How did you feel going into that program? Because there are some guys ahead of you that were very talented as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt pretty good. Um, I mean, I had a fairly good background of wrestling. I mean, obviously, I felt pretty confident. I never really had a bad season of wrestling. Um, I had good and bad. I mean, I wasn't outstanding wrestler, honestly, until my junior junior year. Um, but honestly, going into that, I felt pretty confident. Um, the only thing uh, I came to realization, like I, was, I said before, between my sophomore and junior year, I kind of made a jump. Um, I didn't make the team my sophomore year. Um, I did wrestle a lot of guys uh, that went to state because uh, as what Do- West Delaware, we took our JV team to a lot of varsity tournaments. And when I wrestled varsity guys, I think once or twice I wrestled a ranked guy who actually did something at state later in the year. And after beating them, but not being able to actually wrestle for West Delaware, I was JV. So I beat guys who placed that year, but I was on JV squad because I was behind Reth, who was good because he got fourth that year. So it wasn't that I was that bad, but then I took kind of a chip on my shoulder from that year to my next year, my junior year, where I went 49 and one, and I got the pin record for West Elwer, and I had the win record for West Elwer at the time. Well, no, yeah, that's and that's I just took a chip on my shoulder and worked hard off in the off season and did better. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Cole. Well, so I'm I'm just curious. You you mentioned something that kind of made me perk up. I'm curious when you say like you weren't a great wrestler until your junior year. Is that just because like simply because you had a chi- like you had a chip on your shoulder kind of going in or is it because like you spent the extra time, the culture was set where that if you needed to develop or you needed to work more, or you, maybe you needed to stay after or come early to practice, like was that the standard or was it just simply like a chip being on your shoulder and and maybe a little extra motivation or fire under your butt? I think it was not giving up. I mean, years past, I did. I took time off, um, but that's part of the culture. I mean, what in high school you get kind of do your own standard what you want. Um, but there was a standard that um, at West Delaware. I mean, you we had the thing called the Guts Club, and Guts Club was if you made it to every optional practice and regular practice, no excuses. And so I didn't do that my sophomore year, but I did it my junior, senior year. So it's just, I came in with a chip on my shoulder, and I think that's what motivated me to have more purpose when I was in the room. Mm, sure, nice. Well, very good. And I think the, the big thing to point out there is there are some other cultures that 
when they go about the way that they go about whatever it is that they're uh, tasked with, they may just go through the motions and there's not necessarily a level of intensity that you receive from certain groups. And I think that was what I really took away personally from being uh, an athlete at West Delaware, especially in football. Our tagline was expect victory in, in everything that you did. And so that was even more prevalent, I think, in wrestling. And you guys had your own mantras, which I very much so respected. But it sets the tone when a guy like that, so a guy that's a sophomore that goes in JV tournaments is beating ranked guys, yet he's not even the guy that's in the lineup. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about, and that's what I wanted to get into today because everyone dogs some of these larger programs like maybe in Alabama or Clemson and, and college football per se. There's a certain standard that guys are attracted to that and girls as well of the bar is just higher there. So it's almost a little bit of a wake-up call to our listeners to where if you're really comfortable, that that might not be the best thing, actually. And the fact that Dean had to go out and compete with this other guy who, you know, they both ended up being incredible athletes uh, in the wrestling room. That's what made them incredible. And and sometimes that, that kind of sucked, I bet, when you and Reth were going at it and you and Jason were going at it and you and TJ were going at it. But so let's talk about senior year. We'll keep the ball moving. So you're coming off a monstrous junior year. So again, you were, what was the record and, and how did you go through that? Uh, I was 49-1. Uh, I got the pin record at West Delaware and the win record at West Delaware, and I placed third at state. Okay. So right there, you could have kicked your feet up and you could have been like, all right, that's a hell, that's good. That's a hell of a year. But yet you go a step further your senior year. Talk a little bit about what the chip was there. How did you get to 50 and 0 and become a state champ and really lock that in? Well, I came 50 and 0. uh, I think I didn't come in with the chip on my shoulder, honestly. Um, That was more of, hey, I'm not going to let this get away from me. And I had this vision. Uh, I was guilty. Uh, I called my, I honestly, I, I called myself a state champ before the season even started because I was confident and I visualized that happening for myself. Hell yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. I did not know that. So it's that level of confidence that actually helped you rest her at a higher degree, would you say? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, having that confidence going out there and just knowing just telling myself that, hey, you know what? You're better than this guy. You're going to go beat him up. Well, yeah. And as simple as that sounds, I mean, I think sometimes people get written off as as too self-confident or cocky. And yet all it is is knowing who you are and knowing what you're trying to accomplish. So I, I don't know. I hope people get that vibe. And, and you should have a lot more self-confidence when you're performing a craft that you know what you're going to be doing. Uh, sorry, I think I cut you off, Cole. I think you had something for him. Well, no. So the the question I had was, so you have confidence going in, and it's also kind of a, a mindset, like you said, Dean, of I don't want to let this get away from me. Like, I want to keep what I have for the remainder of, of my career, at mm-hmm. least in high school. Is there any sense of pressure that goes along with that? Because now you come off a really good year where you're breaking school records, you lose literally one match, and now there's like a, a, there's a target i mean people know who you are and there's a target on your back is there any pressure that you felt that comes along with that um i didn't really feel too much pressure um i really didn't care and the, the, once again this might sound i don't really care how this sounds but i didn't really care what other people know thought and what people other people are coming after me i knew last year whether or however good i did i didn't accomplish the goal the goal is to win i mean i would yeah, I was really happy I got third, but you know what? The goal was to win the whole thing. Like, 
getting third came up short. Like, I'm not upset about it and, like, but whatnot, but the next season I came in, I'm like, I cannot come up short. This is this is my goal. I'm worried about me. I'm not care. I don't care who's coming after me. You can come on, but I'm going to take you out. Well, I love that mindset, man. As, That's an as elite much- level mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want that to get downplayed because you can take that into business. You can take that into how you operate yourself day to day. And we'll get into that with extreme ownership. But I, I really want people to think like, it's okay to be confident. I think people are so like, like turned off by somebody that is confident in themselves or confident in their ability. And it's like, no, that's the goal. You should have a, a good sense of peace with your performance. And I think if you asked a lot of professional athletes, they have that as well. Well, really quick, that's kind of, uh, you know, you guys mentioned extreme ownership and, and we mentioned Dean is a big part of us reading that and why we, why he's coming on. Um, also, you know, being in the wrestling and this is kind of where we bridge the gap is that leadership dichotomy that's in there. What's What's the part about that? There's confidence and a, a good leader is confident, not cocky. Right. And there's a very fine line. And I mean, I got to say that from what it sounds like from, from the words coming from Dean's mouth, the mindset he had, he found that line, that fine line between confidence and cockiness, and he was able to tow it to a, a record of 50 and 0. Would I mean, I would have to agree. I would have to agree with you. I mean, I, I like to think that like some people think I'm cocky, but on the other hand, it's like, you know what? I kind of have a part, partly I have a reason to be cocky because you know what? I did it. Like I'm, I was doing it. So, I mean, you also put the work in, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that piece you put the work in. So right before we, we're going to jump into the next level for you and the next evolution, which is a really cool story. Talk a little bit, Dean, on how wrestling other people at a high standard like yourself really helped you out refine your skills or at least keep you accountable because I think that's important too. So Dean went 50, you know, was a state champ. The guy that he was mainly wrestling with, well, both Jason and Adam, I mean, they were top tier wrestlers. These aren't guys that are going to let you have it easy. They're going to come in to try to kick your ass. And so what's that like when you have to go to practice every day and grind? Well, I'll make a quick note. Yes, wrestling, wrestling, those two guys who also came in with the purpose and wanting to win. I mean, it takes just more. It takes more than one guy. You know, it takes a whole group. And that's why I wanted to mention everyone that was in the Russian lightweights. They had an influence on us, too. Like those Zach Moeller, Zach Les, Patrick Woods, Jake Voss. Like those guys also had an impact on us because we were around them. I mean, they were in the wrestling with us. Um, but just kind of moving forward, I'm, I'm going to move us forward here, but I had the same Grandview. At Grandview, I wrestled, I had Eric Thompson as my wrestling partner my first year. And he was a three-time national champ for Grandview. Uh, he went to Iowa State for a little bit, but then didn't work out for him. And then came to Grandview and basically like destroyed NAIA and was the three-time national champ. Wow, I, so I actually I, did. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I got to wrestle him. And I tell you what, um, I got abused. I mean, there's, there's nothing <laughs> short of, of abuse that happened in that wrestling room my, my true freshman year. Because I tell you what, I was, I was tired. And this, this dude would pull me up by my head, pull me up by my mouth, and like just fish hook me. And it, he abused me. But you know what? I came in the next day. and ready to go again. Um, I didn't let it deter me. 
Right. Absolutely. And that's what I love about you personally, because I think that you got to keep punching at the wall, so to speak, or keep that freaking savage mentality, because that's what iron sharpens iron. That's the old adage there. And so uh, to get run up to speed. So Dean went on to wrestle at Grandview. Uh, Grandview is is definitely not a pushover program. Very historically good in Iowa. Uh, Dean, I, I'd rather you say it rather than me, because I don't know too much about it. But just share a little bit of the context of the tradition of Grandview wrestling. Uh, so nine time national champs, I mean, don't have to say too much more than if you know anything about wrestling, only one other team has ever done that. And that's the Iowa team back in the day. Uh, and you know what? I, I was there for, uh, three through, I want to say three through eight. I was there. And I tell you this right now there, if, if it happens, they're going to get number 10, um, coach Mitchell. He's the coach there. Uh, he preaches championship lifestyle, mm-hmm. and that's um, it's a it's another culture thing. Just like how West Delaware was, I came into the same thing with Grandview. Uh, it's a huge culture. Um, West Delaware had it. Grandview just capitalized on it. They brought in guys that were ready to work hard and knew how to do things. I mean, they just they brought in the right guys. What else are you gonna say? So. You know, with the culture being established at a program like Grandview and, and you're there for championships three through eight, I mean, what is the culture like? Give people some insight, like what the culture is like. Are you are you guys all sitting in the lunch, you know, the lunch hall together? Are you guys hanging out like every single night at somebody's house or in somebody's dorm? Like, are you guys, you know, it is like, are you guys going to each other's like family Christmases and Thanksgivings? Is it like do you guys do study tables and, and like all study together at nights? What? Give us some insight. Like, what is that like? What is that winning culture really, really like? Uh, so winning culture, I mean, yeah, there are some people that went to family Christmases from outer staters would stay in state and go to family Christmases with people. Um, inside the wrestling room, um, I guess it, it never stopped, I guess. The, the mentality they brought into the wrestling room, you should bring into the classroom. Mentality you bring into the classroom and wrestling room is who, what you need to bring into real life. Um, I guess the best thing is you live, you know what you have to do to win. All of us know what we have to do to win. You have to wake up early. You have to put in the work and there's eat right. And that's what you have to do. And it's just doing it. And that's what, uh, coach Mitchell preached. Um, I mean, we, anyone who, uh, really made the 12, who went to nationals. I mean, we didn't drink. I mean, that was just part of the culture too. I mean, I went months on end sober because I was like, I want to win. And, you know, drinking is not part of that winning culture. Yeah. Oh, go Beauti- ahead, well, be- it's a be- that's a beautiful example of sacrifice, which also is probably, I mean, it's like Dean said, that's a huge part of winning and establishing a culture. But let me ask you really quick, a follow-up, Nick, and then I'm going to, I'm going to turn it back to you if that's okay. So Dean, that, Wrestling is like one of the most intensely competitive sports that you can participate in, man or woman, right? Um, like, you know, we, Jeremy, Nick, and I were baseball players. Baseball is a very relaxed game. You have to kind of be very even keeled. You don't want to get too emotional because that can affect your play. And the game is based on failure. In a sport like wrestling that is intensely competitive and you're just trying to like impose your physical will on another human being, obviously there's technique involved. Are you like, does, does that ever spill over 
kind of into your guys' social life as team members? Like, are you guys really competitive outside of of practice, like playing ping pong and it's just like paddles are getting thrown or like in video games and controllers are getting smashed, that kind of thing? Well, hey, you guys probably know us wrestlers. We're just we're just a kind of a different breed. I don't know what <laughs> else to say about that. It's just, yeah, we we get competitive. We um, I I think there's always a thing. Um, each time I go to a wrestling banquet, wrestling like anyone, anything with wrestling, you know what? Eventually, someone gets their hands on someone, and we end up doing some wrestling. I mean, it's huh. just wrestlers as generals. We just like getting our hands on someone and just wrestling around like. We we love what we do, and that's that's why we do it. Man, I remember uh, we we lived with a former wrestler, and dude, uh, I know Cole and him usually had a little wrestling match once in a while. You and Jamie Galen, and he, uh, I mean, I got to hang out with some of his buddies on the wrestling team. Man, they're they're one of the most competitive uh, competitive group of people I've ever met, and I, I think that's kind of just the wrestler's mantra is just ultra competitive, ultra locked in, and you know, it's it's a cool, it's a very cool. Uh, mentality to you know be a part of and be around just in just in general yeah uh but kind of going back um cole you kind of said something about uh emotion um it is it's something interesting that uh actually it's, it's really important not to let your emotions get a hold of you when you're out there on a wrestling mat okay uh, you you get your emotions and then you start wrestling emotional instead of strategic and that's when the guy takes advantage of that. So it's honestly a lot of wrestling matches, especially when you get upper levels. It's the guy who breaks his emotion first. Uh, it's the guy who gets out of his stance. That's loses. I mean, it, that's where um, I did a really good job. Honestly, that was one of my highlights of wrestling. Is like I was able to keep my composure. Um, I didn't let things bother me. I get taken down. It's fine. I'd get work my way back up, and just it's the next point. Interesting. I would have never, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that. Go ahead, Nick. So with that, being able to keep your cool in a, in a very violent situation, um, I, I just, I really want people to listen in as to like you, you had a chance to go to a different school where you could have coasted and yet you decided to go up to Grandview because you knew the culture was great there, which is fair enough. But you knew you were going to go against the guy that was going to whoop your butt like every day. And I just think there's a lot of humbleness to that because, again, that's what greatness is. And like that's how you get to the next level is being with someone that's better than you, simply better than you. And then all of a sudden that carries through to your ability to develop, see how they go about it. And I think that's so relevant in the professional world. If you're somebody out there that's struggling, look at who's doing well and spend time with them and see what they're doing. That is such an important piece. You're going to feel uncomfortable. I'm sure you felt uncomfortable when you saw that guy and you knew how to wrestle him every day. Yeah. Um, no, it was definitely super uncomfortable, like going in there and wrestling the guy. Um, I guess I kind of grew numb, numb to it. Um, I mean, it, it, it'd be funny. We're, we'd be going back to our rooms and, uh, the guys would be talking about how they're wrestling upperclassmen and they'd be like, man, I only got one shot on this guy. And I was like, wait, hold on. You actually took that guy down. I just got, ta- I just got taken down the whole practice. Like I wasn't able to do anything. <laughs> like I, I, I just got beat on the whole time. Like, and they're coming back to the room like, oh yeah, I got one takedown. He, but he took me down seven, seven times. I'm like, well, I got taken down 15. So have a good one. 
Right. Well, yeah. you have to have mental toughness to keep coming back too. I think that's another admirable thing is like, even though you're getting your ass kicked, you're going to know eventually this is going to pay off. And then we can go in and talk about that. So Dean, you were a two-time individual national champion at Grandview. Uh, walk us through that process. I mean, was that the same mindset as your 50-0 state championship run, or was this different? Um, well, all right, so I'll go back um, real quick. Um, so the reason kind of wrestling kind of struck a chord with me way back when, I should have went over this, but um, watching my brother Carl win his state title. Um, I watched him win his state title when I was in eighth grade. Um, that struck a chord with me, and that was kind of my it was it was my goal. After that, um, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't have that all my true freshman year until I went to nationals for Grandview down in Topeka, Kansas. And down there, I saw I saw Thompson win it. I saw a couple guys win it, and I saw a whole team win it. And that's when that struck a chord with me, and I made it a goal then to be a national champ. And so I came back that summer. I'll kind of go through how all four years planned out after that. Um, so after my true freshman year, that summer I came back to Manchester and four or five times a week, I would go work out after doing concrete all day. Um, TJ, um, shout out to him again. Uh, he was there. He was the one that kind of motivated me there. And I told him that summer, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a national champ. Like, I want nothing else right now. Like, that's what I want. And so I did workouts all summer long. Um, I gained a bunch of weight in my true freshman year. I was like 260. Okay. And uh, that summer, I lost like 30 pounds. I came back like 230, just ready to go in shape and um, ended up doing really good that year. Got fourth at nationals. Um, just had one match where my legs were underneath me and then another match where the guy just, I didn't have very good basics right then. And the following year I sticked around Grandview, worked on my technique and wrestling and my uh, sophomore year, second, uh, yeah, second year wrestling for Grandview actually. And I won it that year. And not only did I win it, uh, I pinned my way through the tournament. Wow. Um, I pinned my way through the tournament. Uh, I beat two guys that beat me within two months beforehand. Um, so my semi round, my semi round, um, I beat a guy who beat me two weeks before, and then I pinned him in the third period. If you guys don't know, pins like you get the guns back and pin them. Okay. Right. Um, and so I pinned him in the third period there, and then. In my finals match, I wrestled a guy who beat me and pinned me um, in the second period, like two months beforehand. And I wrestled him in the finals, and I pinned him in the first period under a minute. Wow. So, so that was right there, right? That was the first yep, one? That was the first one right there. And um, kind of a lesson I took from that one is always get better. Just constantly just keep getting better. You, I lost two weeks beforehand to this guy. And two weeks later, I pin them. It's just never never settle. Just always constantly improving. But I didn't take that into the next season, honestly. Um, the next season, I ended up being fifth. Um, I came in um, heavy favored. Obviously, everyone had me winning it. Um, wrestled a guy in the semis. Uh, he, was a, he was a true freshman or redshirt freshman. And he beat me. 
I mean, there's mm-hmm. like I didn't wrestle very well. I lost in the semis and then went to the backside, lost again because my head wasn't right. I, I just saw red and the guy threw me to my back. Uh, but then fifth place match, um, ended up winning that one. And um, that was just a, a year that um, I, I, I didn't come into the room with a purpose. I came into the room and I just kind of went through the motions and I didn't get what I wanted because I didn't deserve it. Um, one of the things that they said that year, you, you get what you earned and right. that kind of, that struck a chord with me. And then, so once again, uh, I, uh, hit the off season and I worked hard that off season and came through, uh, ended up wrestling the guy, uh, who beat me in the semis the year before in the finals, my senior year. And I, I had a good match and I beat him. It was it was a good one and it was a solid match. I was beat up. Um, I knew what I had to do to beat him though, and that was something I practiced. So it was a it was quite an experience for me to experience that. Like, hey, you work hard, you get what you want, but just because you get what you want, like you need to start keep going. You need to get the next thing. Yeah, and that coasting process, I think, is what's so cool about your college career is going out, putting all this time in. And I swear, dude, you hit a growth spurt your sophomore year. You were like, you went from Dean to like, this is a man. Like, you're a grown man now. And like, it yeah, was crazy. Yeah, no, actually, um, I'm trying to remember. I grew like another inch and a half in college after my sophomore year for some reason. Like, random inch and a half in college. Oh, hey, a 21-year-old just gained an inch and a half for no reason. And you just leaned out too. I mean, you went from, again, like you went from like, you were always structured well, but all of a sudden this man body came on and it was like, dude, that Dean is like freaking ripped. But what was cool about hearing that story is you went out, you put the work in, you got the national championship and then you fell off, which is awesome because if it weren't for that fall off, you probably wouldn't have came back your senior year and put the icing on the cake. So that's really cool too. And I think it's, you can learn probably more in that fall off season than you, when you can winning it. Well, I, I definitely think like you definitely need to take advantage of that. Like don't get down on yourself, like get after it. Like it's the next one. You can't do anything about the past. It's what you're going to do about the future right now. Like, and not doing anything is not an option. Like, you got another year. I, I had another year. I was like, I'm not going to sit in the back seat for this one. I'm going to get after it. That's awesome, man. You didn't just sit in your wallows and, and accept it. You, you gritted down and you went and got another one, which is so great. Four-time All-American as well at Grandview University. And I just, I have a lot of respect and admiration for how you go about your wrestling career, some of the culture and some of these things that uh, got to where you are. So now we're going to, we're going to do the all in. Oh, hey, hey, Nick, go ahead. Nick, hold on. Right before you leave on, there's one thing uh, I wanted to mention um, with the whole Grandview wrestling. Uh, one thing that I wanted to share with people is um, uh, our coach kind of preaches to us once in a while. Um, and it really felt true for me is that you are a product of the five people you hang out with. And that was something that changed, changed how, who I hung out with. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to be good, hang out with good people. But that also kind of switches the other way. It's like, you know what, are you a good influence on the people that you're around? Are you a bad influence on the people you're around? And I'd like to prefer that I'm a positive influence in bringing people up. I love that, man. That's that so was something true. that Grand, Grandview taught me, and I, I just want to pass the word along on that. 
Oh, well, our State Street listeners freaking appreciate that message. And maybe it's a little bit of a rain check. Everyone needs that every once in a while. I mean, how, how have you been the last 60 days? Have you been a piece of shit or have you been a good person? You know, like really register that to yourself and think, am I bringing positive vibes or am I dragging the team down? Because it's important. Anyway. Hey, State Street gang, we're going to steal you away real quick. Uh, Cole, I actually have a couple of promos to run by you. What do you got, Nick? I'm excited to hear. So the first one is our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear actually have a new website coming out, and you can find them at driftlesswaltywear.com. No way. Dude, that's awesome. So how does State Street factor into that? Yeah, great question. So for all the folks that haven't purchased anything on their website, go ahead and prior to checking out, if you enter State Street, uh, you'll actually get a 10% discount off the entire cart. Okay. What kind of things do they have? Do they have like outdoor wear since it's getting cold here? Yeah, great question. And it really is getting cold. So they have crew necks, long sleeves. I actually got a long sleeve myself, beanies. Uh, they even go as far as camping mugs, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So tell me again how I get this and where I need to go. Yeah, so go ahead and type in State Street at checkout and receive 10% off your entire cart purchase. Cool, man. I can't wait. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. So now onto the all-anticipated extreme ownership. So the whole reason this whole freaking series came together and we read this book is because of you, Dean, and you actually read it twice. So I got a lot of respect for you to do that. You read it twice. First time you read it to complete it because you were doing 75 hard. And then the second time you actually got, gathered some good information from it. So let me ask you this. What was your, what was your first takeaway after completing it the second time? So what, what were the, some things that stood out to you? Ooh, the second time, um, man, the second time reading it, I think, um, I kind of had a different perspective on it. Um, I took a lot more out of, uh, uh, when you divide in parts, the, how it did it is I got a lot more out of parts two and three. This is the second time reading. They kind of, why I think that is because, um, we'll go back to, why I started reading it, why I started reading it was because my boss uh, was watch, uh, listening to MF CEO and uh, listening to Jocko podcast and he's listening to his motivating, kind of motivating podcast. And I was just like, oh, hey, what's this? And then like asked some questions. And then he's like, hey, you should read this book. And then so I read the book. Um, and the first part is definitely like leading yourself and whatnot. But then after that, um, it starts how you lead others. And um, that's where I'm at right now. When I, when I first read this book, I was just trying to lead myself. How can I become a better worker? Mm. And now um, I've moved forward in, in this company. And now I'm becoming a little bit more of a leader role. And that's where I started getting out of the next parts of this is where I can help people move along and lead them. That's awesome. So. Let's break that down. So when you first read it then for yourself, what were some of the things at that point that you like read the book and you're like, all right, I got to take extreme ownership. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, to me, it's just like, um, it's taking pride, honestly. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was something that I didn't really bring to work. I kind of just came to work and just did it. Um, but when he told me his, uh, about this extreme ownership and how he wants to implement it into his company, um, I kind of took pride in it. Like, um, they talk a lot, like take ownership of your part. And so I took ownership of my part. I mean, sure. At the beginning, 
it was just it was just cleaning the tools and making sure the sheet the streets clean, made sure like the little things. And so I took ownership of it. I mean, I'm going to be really repetitive about the ownership part, but that's what it is. It's taking ownership and pride in your work. And that was something that helped me out. Awesome too. And and let's put this into context as well. So you were even even the the most man mundane rough easy job whatever you want to call it you had to clean equipment in the street at the end of the day such a small petty example of like how easily you could have kicked the curb on that and just said nope i'm good i've been working with this concrete shit i'm sick of it but you deliberately chose through reading this book to just do the small things and to make sure that stuff was taken care of and i think the reason why i'm reiterating this for the state street listeners is is something as little as that makes all the difference because when you go home at night, I bet you slept really well because you had the pride in your work and you knew at the end of the day, no matter what you did, what you needed to do. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, slept really well, not only because I was tired, but because I knew, <laughs> but I also knew that I put in good work. I mean, it was, um, is it what it was, it is what it is. Like, uh, there's not much to say about that except for, Man, you put in good work and you can't move forwards. The way I looked at it, you can't move forwards until you're doing what you're doing. Like, I couldn't move up to the next step until I was great at clean tools. And once I was good at clean tools, then I can move forwards and be a finisher. And then I can move forwards and be a leader. So that was my thought process with it. I love that, man. I, as simple as that is, how awesome is that? It's true, though. You have to do the entry-level shit first and do it really well to get to the next level. And because of that, you earned it. So um, then you, what changes when you became, became become a leader then? So you run in four guys, uh, six guys. Like, What's the whole leadership look like? So actually, I only run it. Uh, it's me and another guy, um, mainly. Uh, every okay. once in a while, I'll have two guys. But um, I do the last 10% of the job. Um, so with stamping, so I, d- I have a little bit of a different uh, role. Um, when, we, uh, when you stamp it, so they, the, the other guys, they stamp it for me. Well, they stamp it, and then I come through, and I do a little detailing work for it. So uh, what I do is come in, I take a chisel, like, and when you do stamps, um, when the stamps come together, if they don't come together perfectly, there's some concrete that comes up between them, and I have to detail that out. Um, there's a second coloring that goes on. So I'm a little bit of um, a artist, I guess, when it comes down to concrete it. Concrete artist. <laughs> concrete artist, yep. I love it. I love it. But it's so funny because you had to suffer through all that shit growing up, and now you're a, an artist for concrete. How funny is that? Hey, man, I'd rather be doing that than stripping wall. I tell you what, man, this artist stuff is like, take your time, do it right. And it's a good payoff, too. So, Dean, I have a question for you then. Being like a being like a self-proclaimed concrete artist, as you are, do you I mean. you, You deal a lot with details, right? And I'm sure that takes a lot of discipline. So is that one thing that as you're reading this book, Extreme Ownership, you know, there's there's a chapter and, and Jocko and, and Leif Babin talk a lot about discipline and, and there's even a chapter a chapter titled Discipline Equals Freedom, right? You know, we just covered that um in our last our last podcast. But is that something that stuck out to you like right away? Is that something that you felt you already had a good hold on? Um where did that kind of fall 
in the picture for you in terms of like doing your job and having to be detailed and disciplined on a daily daily basis? Uh, honestly, it's something I'm still working on. Um, I think I do a pretty good job. I mean, obviously, I do a good enough job that my boss trusts me with that part. Right, right. Um, but I'm still continuing working on it. Um, I always think I can be better at it. Um, it's it goes kind of go back to that same things like never satisfied. Well, I'm not satisfied with what I'm doing right now. I wanted to get to a point where I'm happy. I mean, I am happy when I leave each job, but um, I think I could be more disciplined in my job so far. Um, there's some work that I need to be doing. Right. Um, I'm, I'm good at what I do, but there's room for improvement for myself. So then, so you're, you're more of the detail inside and, you know, I feel like that takes a little bit of a, a perfectionist, you know, you're, you're the one who's making it look pretty basically. Um, how do you balance that between uh, like a timeline? Cause you know, you, you may have all the time in the world, you, like it feels like, but you know, there's always going to be that timeline on a, on a job or something. So how do you balance between the, the finer details and just like, like a deadline or something like that? Um, well, that, that's one thing I'm still working out. Um, I guess it's, I, I hustle. Um, it's, it's being disciplined and meticulous, I guess is the word I want to use, I guess, but it's, it's just doing it, but not slow poking it's like you it's it's not like dot 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 it's let's go like get this done but um there's a little bit of um what's the word i'm trying to think of a word you have to have some urgency to do this um that's one thing but how are you talking about timelines um well with decorative patios um the thing they cost more and so with that cost um our boss that's one thing i like about my boss he's he he's on us a little bit about timing but it's mainly like hey i want the job done right otherwise we have to go back there and redo it so rather take the time do it right then go back there and do it again so you get a little more flexibility with uh with time just because of how um how much more it costs just basically yeah well he's he's definitely um allowed uh me to have ownership of that and he's just like it's your job um we'll kind of like give you like hey these are things you need to get done today if you get them done good if you don't like we can that's when i start taking some more people on is if i'm falling behind because i'm taking too long and then i'll just have some other guys come help me so my boss is pretty good about letting me kind of do that that part anyways awesome awesome so we have, like I said, Dean, before we got on air here, we have just flown through this first 45 minutes and it's been fantastic. There's been numerous little nuggets that you can grab from Dean's story, but also just if you can hear a man that has gone through two very successful cultures and what the makeup of that is just to kind of refine yourself. Um, I, I'm going to ask Cole, Cole, do you have your, your little surprise package deal that you always do with our guests? Always. Okay. Beautiful. Before we get into that, though, uh, I am going to just ask you a little, a little bit more openly. Uh, as you have the book in front of you, some of the the posted notes that you've had, uh, I just want to make sure you relay to our our listeners anything that you felt. Uh, oh my gosh, he's got like six. He's got like fifteen of them. Okay, we may not be able to go through all of those. Um, but are, are there a couple things in that book that stand out to you, Dean? Just for the listeners' sake. I think uh, one of the 
better things I read was uh, no bad team, no only bad leaders. Uh, that okay. was a huge one. That's especially since I'm starting to become a leader. Uh, it's something that I've kind of um, like uh, taken responsibility of and um, just kind of taken maybe somewhat personal is like, hey, this guy did something wrong because of me. Um, anything that he does right is because of him. Anything he does wrong is because of me. Mm, uh, I love that. Was, that. Uh, that was something that I really t- kind of took apart, especially the second time reading it. Um, the first time reading it um, was kind of uh, the first part where he talked about taking extreme ownership and how everyone reacted to that. And that's why I started taking extreme ownership was because, you know, you take extreme ownership and you actually take ownership. You don't just say you take ownership of it. You actually take ownership of something and people respect that. And um, that's something when I first read it, I took away from it. And um, that's kind of what I, I, t- I practice extreme ownership. At the beginning, it was just because I said it. But um, now I'm actually, I've, I personally know that I'm actually taking ownership of stuff instead mm. of just saying I am. That's huge. Ooh, yeah, that's a big one. I'm glad we left off on that one uh, before we got to Cole's. So again, so many people can say what they want, but what are your actions reflecting? That's the biggest portion there. So I, I appreciate you sharing that, Dean. So man, what a, what an episode and what a fun time I've had uh, learning and, and asking you and, and pulling some stuff out of this amazing story. Um, and currently what you're doing now and practicing some of these things as with every guest, instead of me describing this, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Mr. Szynski for his four questions and then we'll get you out of here. Okay, buddy. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> so Dean, I don't even have to explain myself then to you. You already know what's coming. Um, so oh, if yeah. you're ready, I'm ready. All right. I'll be as quick as possible. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So right off the bat, what animal resembles your eating style most oh my god oh eating style yeah man i'm gonna have to go with the wolf man i i I just think in general a wolf is kind of my animal uh it's pretty big but it's not too big and man they're savages so (laughs) so you eat like a savage are you like a messy eater then uh fairly messy eater yes <laughs> but cool. you're always looking to down it though i mean you're always looking to like get it off your plate as fast as possible oh yeah that was the thing when i was growing up my, if i didn't eat it my brothers would so i had to eat it faster <laughs> <laughs> That's great. um the next one so the next one i have uh what's the most memorable toy from your childhood like when you think back to like I guess we'll, we'll we'll say we'll cap childhood at 12 years old because at 13, obviously, you become a teenager. So from 12 to as early as you can remember, what's the most memorable toy that you played with? Um, so there's two of them that I think of. Uh, one was my little pet cheetah that I had, little stuffed pet cheetah. Uh, the other one was a uh, um, it was a remote control truck that uh, we. Uh, me and my brothers like put bigger wheels on the back, you know, so it, like kind of like the back stood up a little bit higher. <laughs> um, yeah, those those two are the main two toys. That I okay. Remember, so fair enough. Uh, we actually so so we got talking about this before we even got started recording, and it prompted my question. So 
If you were to be a WWE wrestler, what would your wrestling name be? Ooh. Ooh, that one's easy. Dean the Hammer Brokehammer. What's up? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one I have is, is a little bit more of a serious one. We'll end on this note. So when you think about disciplined people, you're obviously a, a disciplined person, Dean, and, and we, you know, us, us three here on State Street, we're trying to become very, very disciplined people, and we know a lot of disciplined people um, in our lives as well. So what is, if just one thing, I know there's probably a lot of things that go into being a disciplined person, but just, just single out one thing that you think is very key to being a disciplined person. Man, I, I'm, probably, I'm probably taking this from someone, but uh, being disciplined is keeping promises to yourself. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, Andy Frisella, uh, Jocko podcasts. Like, uh, I hear a lot about discipline, uh, but I think uh, Andy said it is discipline is keeping a promise to yourself. I love that. Well, hey, Dean, really quick, man, before we let you go, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, the, I could feel the excitement on your end. And we always appreciate that because that means you're engaged, you're, you're listening, you like, it, it's cool to know somebody like actually takes away and we know other people support us and, and take away, but it's like, you're, you're a true living Testament and you, you follow right along with us. And we really appreciate that. So thank you for the support, but also thank you for always doing us a favor and coming on because it is a favor to us, uh, just because you're, you're a busy guy yourself and, and you could be doing other things, but we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Jeremy, go ahead and, so, and, and shout out social media. Yeah, dude. I mean, before before I do that, I want to say thanks too as well. It's it's awesome that we get a a well accomplished young man as a as well as someone that you know follows along with the podcast. It's it's awesome to see, like Cole said, the support we have and in like your testament to that. And, and it's just it shows us that we're we're doing something bigger than ourselves. And I, I I really enjoy you know looking at that and be like, wow, we're actually you know people are actually taking away. Um, something from what we did. So, guys. Hey, like, Jeremy. Hey. Yeah. Hey, I remember. Uh, so, I listened to the first podcast, and I believe one of your goals was to uh, help one person out, or was that you, Cole? I that think was it was me. Cole's goal. Okay. Well, hey, you guys helped me out. I mean, even though it was something little, uh, I told Nick to read this book, and it forced me to, it forced me to read read this and take more notes. I don't. Let's I don't take, go. <laughs> I, I don't i don't put post-it notes in in books okay i never did that in college but you know i i told you guys to read it and nick's like hey reread this book and let's talk about it i'm like hell yeah let's go and the second time reading it um i i got something out of it and you know what outside of that each time i listen to one of your guys' podcasts like i learned something from it and or whether you guys are interviewing someone or doing books or just talking like dude it's awesome to see you guys i enjoy it so i'm glad i got actually got to meet cole and jeremy uh, i knew nick but i gotta actually see put some faces to some names <laughs> now so put some faces to some voices actually so <laughs> hey dean you just made my day man you just made my day so thank you no problem man yeah dude that's uh, i mean that's awesome here guys and if, if you guys enjoyed the episode uh Make sure to remember, we actually have a, a sticker giveaway going on right now. So go find us on all social media platforms and hit that like button. And any of the 
any of our social media platforms are basically our names. You can find us on Instagram at a State Street Pod. Twitter is at State Street Pod. And Facebook is State Street Podcast. Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, from one brother to another, the uh, the honor is really on all our side of the table. And I'm so glad that you... Um, you know, you reached out to me about this and there's so many times that, you know, you throw things around as a a fun idea. And I took your message as much as you took mine as to, all right, we're going to make this shit happen. We got to read the book. We got to get you on and talking. And so I'm going to go right out and say it. It's going to make some people mad, but dude, you are one of my personal favorite guests. I know Maloney might, I might rub him a little bit of wrong way, (laughs) but I personally loved you having you on, man. So thank you very much. Um, and to all of our uh, State Street gang that is following us consistently, hey, State Street hey, residents, State Street residents, State Street residents. Thank you, Cole. Um, <laughs> we're actually going to take, even though we have uh, incredible momentum today, we're going to have a unique episode that is non-book related that will be coming up, and so it'll be interesting. But we'll see how that goes. But at any rate, until next time, State Street gang, and we appreciate it. <laughs>